0: What's Up everybody, welcome back. Episode number 15. Quince. Episode 15 of Controlled Chaos, and we're home. This we is are. A live episode of Controlled Chaos. We're in the same room socially. Crazy. Balanced, but in the same room. How are we doing Owen? I'm
1: doing great. I just got home like 24 hours ago. How about you?
0: I am 48 hours into being home. I didn't sleep. For nice, 24 nice. Yeah, Pulling all-nighter, why not? But I'm home. We're reporting live from the gutter and we're chilling. We're actually, watching some MLS playoff action. We got a little Dallas Portland on the on the telly. Okay, we're ready to rock and roll. In pens. So um be on the lookout for a, a Dallas Portland. Oh, we just banged another one. Oh man. It's a crazy, crazy atmosphere. It took us 15 episodes, but we're we're live and in person now for controlled yeah. chaos. So without further ado, let's hop into music man it was a eh, it was a week i'll I'll say that uh saint john drops many 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 features on oh, that yeah. album I, like this week for me
1: honestly was just a bunch of people dropping music that i didn't really care about like i know megan dropped an album a lot of people like that not really for me the baby ep again not really my my thing you had a uh, rich the kid and young boy dropped also don't really care like it was just it was just project after project that i really did not give a crap about but uh I'll say the highlight of the week for me. One was the there was a Jid feature on the Saint John album, so you gotta love that. And then also the Caliuchis album that came out this past week. Uh a little bilingual action. I kinda enjoyed that.
0: And we're here for we're here for two cultures. Dos culturas. There we go. Caliuches. we big fan of that. But I was a big fan of Saint John with the Kanye feature. Oh yeah. Um forgot about that. The whole album as a whole was yeah, you know, it was meh, but not really for me. I don't I don't like his sound too much. Pray for me, not by the weekend, but by the boy Saint John featuring Kanye West. I think that's the highlight of the album. And like I said, he's not a big fan of St. John. I'm not a big fan of St. John. Like I'm no. not gonna like go crazy because St. John dropped yeah. an album. And I'm I'm
1: trying to even think of like singles that dropped. I really don't think there were all that many. I mean, I, I could go I could go look really quick while we while we talk
0: about some other things in the music uh, section, but I don't think there was much that dropped. Yeah, and partly be, partly do that is it was just a really crazy week in sports. I mean, NBA free agency. If you listened to the wonderful NBA draft special, post draft special that we posted on Thursday. It was it's just been a crazy week. Music Absolutely. wise, we really haven't been focusing yeah. that much on uh, music. Oh uh, Meek Mill also. Oh, there was a Meek. I, Mill. I haven't even listened to that yet. I I'm haven't be listened to that. I haven't but, uh, but Meek uh,
1: Mill, uh quarantine pack.
0: A little four song action. We're know? here for a quarantine pack. I will say that. Hey, we we need it. Ben needed that. Um, but yeah, not really a crazy week in music. Oh, you know what um, we forgot about? Sheck West dropping 2020 yes. draft after yes. going undrafted. Yes. I was going to use that as the outro song because after we finished recording the NBA post draft special, we um I saw the Sheck West dropped a single. So he hyped up that he was in the NBA draft and all this and that didn't get drafted, of course, but drops a single after. And then he's announcing that he's going to be playing professionally in Paris for the Paris for a Paris basketball team. So look out for Sheck West, Sheck Shakur, whatever you want to call him, Sheck Nasty. I oh, mean, yeah. What a time to be alive if your name's Sheck West. I mean... Oh, wow. 6'6 six, six and pens. 6'6 six, six and pens. Man with the dreads just bagged it. Gosh. Yeah. It a whole lot of Portland Timbers FC Dallas action. We'll keep you posted as we are recording the pod, but still... Absolutely crazy stuff. Go Timbers. Go Timbers. Owen's a big Timbers guy. Uh, Of course, the Houston Dynamo changed their name to the Houston Dynamo FC. Uh, They finished in last this year in the MLS. But back to music. Um, We had the American Music Awards. Yeah. Uh, The weekend performance. I I was watching. I was just flipping channels trying to get back to Sunday Night Football. Weekend just looked beat up, uh, which is a theme (laughs) from his his album. I think After Hours did really well. Uh, at the AMAs. Yeah. And then... Um, One of my favorite albums of the year. Mm-hmm. For sure. and speaking of our favorite albums, it was kind of a legacy week. My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Oh, yeah. Officially a decade old. It turned 10 this week. Crazy. God, man. It's a classic album. A favorite timeless song album. Of it? Ooh. I'm going to go with Devil in a New Dress. Ooh. I have to. See, I'm a, I'm a runaway. I'm a runaway fiend. I was going to do Runaway but it's just a long you know i i i'm not gonna shit on it it's a long song
1: i i no, i'm one of those people who knows exactly when the piano note changes at the beginning like i've got it set like i don't know it's just it's just always been my song i guess i i love it you're listening to gorgeous also top three on that album
0: true with uh with cuddy oh cuddy but yeah oh man that was just such a good album what a yeah and a lot of people have that and we've seen it's been really interesting for me as of late just a lot of people posting like their kanye tears their kanye lists their albums and a lot of people my beautiful dark twisted fantasies at the top i love it i I mean it's it's a
1: great album i think personally on a like personal level of enjoyment i might enjoy graduation more i know that's a hot take because i know a lot of people say graduation has not aged well but i i don't know it's just something about the sound of that album flashing lights is Always gonna be my favorite Kanye song.
0: Yes, "Flashing Lights" is just a absolute I love that song. banger of a song. You know, "Homecoming," home another one. Oh, with Chris Martin, that's yeah. just a good song. We can go on and on. We talk about Kanye. Yeah, a lot that song's so
1: nostalgic chaos, but... for me. That song, that album in general, just has so many memories
0: for me. I think an album that gets slept on, and I don't know if it's slept on, but it's really good. It really meshed well in the whole sound. Of the 2016 era. And that's the life of Pablo. Oh, yeah. Man. I thought you were going to say 808s for a second. Oh. Portland just lost. Portland loses. They saved it. Yo. FC Dallas. On to the second round of the MLS Cup. Wow. They get through eight rounds of PKs. Portland fails... And I'm not a big MLS guy, but that one's got a hurt that was for electric. the
1: Timbers. That was an electric finish.
0: Wow. FC Dallas on to the second round of the MLS What 7
1: 17-year-old tied it up in the 90th yeah.
0: minute? Pepe, Pepe, the 17-year-old phenom for FC Dallas, comes on and bags yeah. one with two minutes left to go and stoppage time to get it. And they're moving on to the second oh, round. Yeah. How about FC Dallas? They're crying. They're living it up. Yeah. Wow. But back to Kanye yeah um god good for fc dallas but i think the life of pablo with i think fade that was that song was the music video for fade was premiered at the mtv music Uh awards i remember that but god that album as a whole we forget that it was released on title and only title so i think that's why it's not talked about as much um Once it it got take
1: a while to get on Spotify, yeah.
0: Once it got on Apple Music and Spotify, I mean, that album replay value, he was adding songs to Pablo, all that stuff.
1: It's really interesting how he did it, actually, where like he he kept going back and messing with it. But Mm -hmm. I, I don't know, I some it's kind of a hit or miss album for me i'm gonna be honest because some of those songs i absolutely love saint pablo is a top five kanye song for me too i love samfa in that song Mm -hmm. and then you've got what else no no more parties in la obviously Mm. another classic kanye song but then there's some on that album that just don't hit for me i don't know yeah like i it's it's just some of them i've like honestly probably never heard more than once or twice and some of them i listen to hundreds of times probably but yeah. you know, you know what album I was going to say is actually aged really well for me that a lot of people don't give enough credit is 808s that that album created such a unique sound and it influenced people so much that I think I, I, I don't know. That's always been one of my favorite, if not, you know, like top top two or three Kanye albums also probably. Yeah. 808s is it was so
0: influential. It changed the sound of, of hip hop in general so much the mm-hmm. way he used it. I remember watching like, I think it was Vox or Genius that made like a YouTube video, just like all these next wave of artists like your Travis Scott's and even, you know, Kid Cudi and people like that, how 808 shaped their sound. And while it didn't achieve as much commercial success and it was, you know, kind of weird at the beginning, it was, you know, looking back, it probably was probably his most influential album, which is something it's it's aged
1: so well. I mean, the like it that that album truly is the definition for me of like an album aging well. Just because it wasn't super popular when it was first released, a lot of people thought it sounded weird. But like, when you go back and you listen to Heartless now, you listen to Love Lockdown, uh, what coldest winters on there? Like those songs sound like they could have been released in the past couple of years, and he was releasing them, you know, over a decade now, isn't it? It's been over a decade since that album dropped. I mean, it's just it's insane. It's just so
0: crazy to think about how the evolution of music as a whole is where it is today yeah you know that's just something crazy to think about but yeah beautiful dark twisted fantasy 10 years old and what a time to reflect upon it just a crazy crazy stuff but other than that a whole lot of eh weekend music nothing that we really like i mean big up h town megan the stallion big fan of that but that that album's gonna do numbers yeah that's gonna do crazy she's super talented
1: just not something i'd Enjoy listening to personally, I guess. Exactly. I don't know. Um, uh,
0: but big up in the stallion, I guess she's gonna go nuts. I think yeah. she's gonna control the charts Absolutely. Last thing Drake uh out of silence announces a collab with Nike. There was like a very like weird trailer video that he posted on his Instagram. I was like, okay, maybe he's dropping a single and no, it's with Nike. So I don't know. I think Drake he's collabed with Nike before with the OVO yeah. collection. Hey. checks so, over
1: stripes. That's what he likes. Yeah.
0: Um yeah, so I don't know. I we're just waiting on certified lover boy. I'm waiting on it for yeah, sure. Absolutely. So that's all we got for you in music. You know, last week you did about twenty minutes in music. This week we're only gonna do about ten. Cause we got a lot of stuff to talk about, including we do kind of something sad. RIP to Indiana. You know
1: what? I'm not even that mad about it. Like I I am just because of the opportunity that Indiana was presented with in that game. But I talked about it last week. I said, I don't think Indiana is going to win. I think if they do, it's a ridiculous upset. All I said was the fact that Ohio State was a 21 point favorite was nuts. And I was absolutely right. I mean, Indiana was i i think a two-play sequence away from winning that game i i think i can safely say that because they lose by seven points and there was a two-play sequence in that second half where they go incomplete on a wide open deep ball would have been you know 60 yards put him in the red zone set him up for a score and then on the next play after that drop they throw a pick six to uh to sean wade future future nfl player sean wade Hmm. and and i mean you know, I I think it was just a missed opportunity. I mean, Penix, as it was the Indiana quarterback, had almost 500 yards passing. You know, he completes that, he's up at 550. He misses that that interception. There's no way they don't win that game. I think because their their defense was swarming for most of the game. There were it was kind of a hit or miss thing where sometimes Ohio State would just march down the field, and sometimes you know it would just be turnover after turnover. I mean, three three interceptions for Fields. He had three all of last season,
0: none coming into this year. Yeah, and. I will say one thing. I I had respect for Indiana's head coach, but I gained so yeah. much more after the game. Oh,
1: yeah. Did you did you listen to him after yes. the game?
0: Yes. After the game, uh, he posted on his Twitter page his kind of pep-up speech. He's like, y'all could have given up, but y'all didn't. Y'all yeah. fought through it. And, you know, those are the type of coaches that are going to A- you know, get their team places, but be they building yeah. men out there. Oh, it was, it was a perfect post-game
1: speech, too, because it's not just him going easy on them, talking about, you know, the moral victory, blah, 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 of only losing by a touchdown to Ohio State in that fashion. But, you know, he said, like, you know, we'll be back. You know, we played, we played, we didn't give up. But he, you know, he simultaneously, you know, conveyed to them, like, hey, we got to start winning those games eventually. He said, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm ticked off at the result right now. I'm kind of pissed that we lost that game because of how winnable it was. But you know what? You guys didn't give up. And that's, you know, a a positive to look forward to for them. Because I know they got Wisconsin in a couple weeks. That's going to be a great game. Possibly decide whether they go to a New Year's Six Bowl, depending on how uh, the rest of the season for Northwestern plays out. Because I think we can get into that right now, too. Northwestern and Wisconsin.
0: Yeah, what a good win for Northwestern. I mean, it was just closing out Ohio State, I mean – I, I was very surprised to see Fields throw three uh three interceptions. Oh, yeah. That was kind of crazy for and me. And they were
1: they were like un, unforced errors too. I mean there was there was one where he was just going down to the ground. I think it was a third down and he just threw it up to anybody and it was it landed right in the hands of the guy. Yeah. And uh you know there were just you know throws across the field that weren't as accurate as they should have been. You know, it wasn't like Indiana was making outstanding plays. I mean, they were truly mistakes by Fields and it, I think it go, comes down to the defensive scheme of Indiana. They're, they're unconventional blitzes. They love sending corners on blitzes. They love sending all their linebackers.
0: I mean, it's a team that loves to just send the house against you, and it worked against Ohio State. And then I'll, I'll close it with this. Ohio State has only played four games. Notre yeah. Dame has played eight. If we're going to talk about the college football playoff, and Ohio State's only going to have six data points or seven data points in a potential college football ber- playoff berth, I don't know if they're statistically going to be better than a Cincinnati team. That's undefeated. And that could be a bold take, hot take. I that don't is a care. Hot take. I mean, I mean if, if you're a team in Cincinnati, you a taking control on the field and b taking control off the field, being able to go out there and get those games in and absolutely. not have to worry about COVID. You should be rewarded. And for Hey, that. they were down too. They
1: were down in this last game against UCF. UCF said, Hey, we want to be the only undisputed national champions, in the AAC. And they almost took him out. It was a, Three-point victory, I think. they UCF was up most of the game. Yeah, it was a very high-quality American football. Yeah, the power six, maybe, power six. I, they, they're working their way up there. I'm not going to lie. Cincy, UCF, U of H has looked good at times. At least, I mean, imagine if U of H still had Derek King. I think they're probably a top 25 team right now if they yeah, do. most definitely. There's there's a ton of potential in that conference. They just need to keep going. I, Tulsa is ranked. How about the Golden Hurricanes of Tulsa? Wow. I mean, I, they, it really is a talented conference. I mean, we joke about, like, you know power six but it truly is on its way there i think mm-hmm. uh, it could be at
0: least most definitely so yeah since he since he stays alive beating yep. ucf but getting into what you were talking about northwestern pat fitzgerald and the fighting reese hey, davis I'm super
1: i'm super happy for fitzgerald because yes. he he deserves it he's been there forever and they've never been like a, a great team i remember a few years ago they were you know bottom of the top 25 for a while they just rotated between quarterbacks that would play for them for like six years I think the last one was Clayton Thorson. Clayton Thorson, man. I it was just the, about to say, the say one I I remember. yeah. And they they were always kind of bottom of the top 25, but never like, you know, a, a powerhouse. They were never going to beat like a Michigan or an Ohio State. And they go out this past week against a top 10 Wisconsin team. And they their defense just shut them down. I mean, I know uh we talked about it a lot after Mertz tested positive that like that was a huge loss for Wisconsin. And he was back on the field yesterday and I mean, Northwestern just shut him down. He threw three picks, only had one touchdown. They only scored seven for the game. I mean, it was a it was a huge showing by by Northwestern's
0: defense, especially. Yeah, and like I said, Pat Fitzgerald he knows how to coach a football team. He does. And one of my buddies at Arizona State said that um, with Harbaugh essentially gone, Fitzgerald is probably a, a, a favorite to take over that Michigan job. And I I like that take, but at the same time, I don't because. Yeah. Fitzgerald has been at Northwestern. He's so dedicated to that he's team. He's dedicated to that team. You saw him uh who was it? I think it was Joey Galloway um said on a college football show for ESPN earlier in the week that Northwestern's just a bunch of fighting Reese Davises. I mean, essentially implying that Northwestern has no talent and they're just a yeah. bunch of random guys going out there. And then they go out there and play Wisconsin, who, you know, that I'm telling you, that first game of Graham Martz, Meritz, he came out there that first game for Wisconsin, and he had himself a day. Yep. And then you go out there and you shut him down. Northwestern was in control that game the entire time. And I think it's time that you put some respect on their name. So, of course, Fitzgerald goes in there. You could hear players running off the field screaming, Reese yeah, Davis. Yeah. You could tell that Fitzgerald they were, they was were, talking to him. They about were hyped that. up. Yeah. So, I, I think Northwestern is, you know... Who would have thought going into this year, Northwestern in a New Year's Six? And hey, they're another team that
1: plays that underdog role perfectly because they've been so far off the radar for the past few years. And I know last year they were awful. I mean, they were one of the teams where they were on the schedule and you just kind of wrote it off. I mean, who are we playing the next week? This is an easy win. Kind of just move on. And I, I think it's really, really interesting that Northwestern is playing that role as an underdog in the Big Ten this year. Uh, Indiana's playing that role in the Big Ten this year. I mean, I looked at the standings for uh, for the Big Ten. You've got Northwestern and Indiana up at the top of their, their conference, or for or their division of the conference. You've got Purdue up there, and you look at the bottom. You know what? Two teams are combined, one and seven coming into this past week, Michigan and Penn State. Who would have thought Preseason that? Preseason top 25 teams, and they're one and seven. I mean, it's just insane how they're – I mean, they're essentially just switching roles. And I know Purdue – this past week got absolutely screwed out of a win. They should still be a one loss team with their only loss coming to Purdue or uh, to Northwestern. I mean, that was, did you see that offensive pass interference call?
0: I, I didn't understand. That. I felt so it bad. It was the
1: worst call I've ever seen, I think. It was brutal.
0: That's terrible. So you said one in seven combined between Penn State and Michigan. Yeah. So Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin combined make a little less than $15 million. I don't and think Tom Allen's making that. I don't think Tom Allen, and I'm sure as hell don't think Pat Fitzgerald's making that much. money. I mean, money. I can't
1: even tell you who uh, who produce coach is. Is it Brom? Is that his name?
0: Oh yeah, it is Brom. I think. I think it's Jeff. Braum. Jeff Brom. Is that his name? Yeah, Jeff Brom. Yeah, Jeff Brom. I bet. I bet he's not making that much money. The fighting Jeff Brom listed at four point eight million dollars. Okay, okay. Uh, that's crazy. Uh, but yeah, if you get down to the numbers, man, it doesn't take. It takes a lot of heart to win some football games, and when you're you're a guy like Pat Fitzgerald, you're a guy like Tom Allen, you're going out there, you're fighting for your team. You're Absolutely. there for your team. So if for a guy like I'm not gonna discount the way Jim Harbaugh coaches, but no. these guys are similar to PJ Fleck in the fact that they are not they're not only invested in you as a football player, but they're invested in you as a man as well. Yeah, it's both a personal. An athletic level that they're, they're coaching and teaching on. And it shows on the field. Yeah. It shines through in those programs. These players have each other's back. When you look at Michigan, do they have that team chemistry?
1: Like the big 10, especially, I know we're talking about it. The big 10, especially those smaller teams in the big 10 that don't have kind of as big of a reputation. They are trying to build homegrown talent. I mean, it's, it truly is like a brotherhood when you're playing for one of those teams and they have that reputation, you know, the, the Illinois, the the Northwesterns, the Iowa's, the Purdue's, the Indiana's. I mean, those teams don't have a reputation on the national level, at least not in football. And, you know, their, their football teams are going out there with no expectations. I know Indiana didn't have much of an expectation this year, maybe a bowl game because they made one last year. But I, I don't think anyone expected them to go out and beat Penn State and Michigan to start the year, be ranked in the top 25, you know, nearly beat Ohio State. I, I think it's just it's really cool to see what's happening in the Big Ten right now. And, and football and as we'll get into later basketball because there's some there's some surprising top teams in the Big
0: Ten in basketball too Iowa and Illinois both top ten teams yeah. in the preseason that's gonna be something I'll tell you that much but staying in the NCAA we're gonna get to men's basketball as that starts this week and it starts with a with a with a lot of good matchups but we'll oh, get yeah. into that um, You're Oregon ASU with the first good matchup of the yes year. they do yeah we we'll later we'll get to that one but Oregon still a contender for the college football playoff holding on for a victory and I get, I'll get back to it. Oregon at best is going to have seven data points getting into the selection show. Is that going to be enough? And we talked about it. We talk about it pretty much every week. It's so uncertain at this point, how many games you're going to play. And we're seeing it right now. You're looking at an Arizona state football team that's only played one game. They've already canceled two. There's no room to schedule them. At most they're going to have five games. Five games and so, i mean
1: i mean going going further into that if if they choose to look at individual games because there's so little i feel like they can almost look at it at an individual level oregon didn't really deserve to win that game i don't know if you saw it but the last play of the first half uh the the quarterback of the other team threw a hail mary and it was picked off and returned for a touchdown by oregon they were essentially handed seven free points at the end of half at the end of the first half how much do they win by
0: six and I think that's the reason why you have a team like USC who has gone out there and done their due diligence. They're three and zero, and they're only ranked 20th because yeah. the competition in the pack 12 just simply isn't cutting it. I don't think this year. And no. when you're having a team like Cal and UCLA, because Arizona state test positive for COVID they're scheduling games. The two days before you're finding out that you're going to play at the Rose bowl against UCLA two days before I mean, it's just sloppy. It's yeah. very sloppy. I think at this
1: point, I think the Pac-12 really needed everything to go right, COVID-wise, for them to have any chance at playoff teams. And I think, you know, the the outbreaks that have already happened within the Pac-12, you know, ASU being one of them, I think it's pretty much shot that season to hell. Like, for the Pac-12, at least, I don't think any of those teams can can go to the playoff at this point. And I know... uh. It's CBS Sports. Jerry Palm still has Oregon in the playoff for yeah. some reason. I don't get it. What type of crack are you Jerry? I would Jerry rather Palm? have an undefeated Cincy team or even a, I would argue, a one loss AM or Florida team or Georgia. Hell, any of them in the playoff over Oregon. I don't I don't understand why they're so set on Oregon being, you know, a playoff contender because I just don't see it right now.
0: Yeah, and then even get to get into that point. Uh, news comes out two days ago that uh, the Pac-12 is going to allow them to schedule non-conference games when there's already a schedule set in stone. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense for that. So there's essentially saying, have a backup plan just in case the other team gets COVID. So if it's not if you they said Larry Scott said that it was not safe to go start a football season for them. Well, if that's the case, then don't just play. Just don't play. You don't have to play. No one's telling you you need to play. I understand you're going to lose out on a lot of money, but if you're going to go out there and your restrictions and whatever are not going to be up to snuff, and you're going to have players getting COVID like this, then it's just not smart to play because now you're having teams like Washington asking BYU, "Hey BYU, do you want to play?" We know it's one week in advance. Well, what's BYU supposed to say? Yeah, you know, it's it's just especially very when
1: messy. they're in the they're in the middle of such an important season. It it almost becomes an inconvenience, I would think, for teams like BYU because they're literally top ten, undefeated. They've got their schedule set in stone. They know who they're playing the rest of the year. They're looking at it like, "Hey, we went out. We're probably in a New Year's Six game, or at least very possibly. If you're an undefeated team sitting in the top ten, I don't see how you're not in a New Year's Six game." And if you get like a Pac-12 team like that who can put you on upset alert a week beforehand and you have absolutely no scouting on them, if I'm anyone in power at BYU, I'm saying hell no. Mm -mm. I don't want to play them. I mean, I I don't think they're going to be takers. And I think the Pac-12 honestly is just kind of screwed at this point.
0: I mean, I don't I don't know. And another conference, and the reason why we're opening ourselves up to the idea of a two two teams from one conference, like two teams from the ACC, like Notre Dame and Clemson, making the playoff, is because the Big Twelve is cannibalizing itself yep. yet again. Everyone has two losses or more. Exactly, Ohio, or, uh, Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. In Bedlam. Iowa State, Texas, and, all four of them have two losses. Yeah, so there was Bedlam Saturday Night Football game of the week, and you know Oklahoma goes out there and Spencer Rattler looks like a dog, and yep. there goes Oklahoma controlling the game, yep. and the Fighting Mike Gundy's are two losses, two losses. So is it is there even a chance for them to make the playoff? Yeah. No. I mean, Iowa State is in the lead of the conference right now, nobody has Iowa
1: State on a radar for even a New Year's Six game. I mean, there's. There's nowhere for them anywhere close to the playoff, which is the only reason we can even entertain the idea of a Pac-12 team or even possibly I would, I personally would like to see Cincy just be given a chance. I would love to see. I don't think they win, but I think it could be at least an important precedent to set. Like, you know, just, just, just to show these American teams, like, you know, not have the UCF thing happen again, where they go out and beat Auburn in the, in the peach bowl or whatever and claim their national champions. Just have one of these teams go into the playoff as an undefeated team and play one of these other teams who has a a loss or even doesn't and just show that like, you know, either they prove us wrong and they go out there and compete, maybe even win. And in that case, cool, great football. I mean, that's something I as a football fan in general would love to see the underdog. I mean, everyone roots for the underdog. And then if they go out and lose, I mean, it's nothing more than just saying, Hey, you know, we gave you your shot. We've set the precedent. American teams have to be really, really good for us to give them a chance. Sorry. And I, I think either way, I think Cincy is a more qualified team than any Pac-12 team right now. I think Cincy, depending on how the SEC plays out, could be ahead of a one-loss Florida or a one loss AM. A&M. And I, I don't see why you don't give them a chance at this point.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And I, like you said, it, it sets the precedent. I think the closest we got to an American team making the playoff was that one year U of H played Oklahoma yep. to start out the year. I mean, they were on a crash course to make the college football playoff though i think that was the last year under tom herman but of course they didn't end up making it um but you know you need to give teams like that an opportunity With ever since the playoffs started back in 2014 it's always been how does it make sense for a team that is not playing top tier talent to make a, give them a chance that's the whole point of the college football playoff was to give other teams a chance to win yeah that it's not just down to one and two it's one through four or one through eight maybe one through 16 depending upon if they were going to have and that, that year
1: too that uh UCF beat Auburn in that New Year's Six game too that was the year that Auburn won the Iron Bowl against Bama wasn't it and that was their whole argument was they beat Auburn and Auburn beat Bama and then Bama won the national title so like UCF should have been the champion because they were undefeated and they beat the national champion or the the team that at least beat the national champion but I, I, you know, in hindsight, I would have loved to have seen that UCF team play Bama that year. I think that would have been huge yeah, to just have to see Mackenzie you know? Mackenzie McK- Milton playing against Bama. That would have been absolutely
0: electric. Yeah, that w- was that team had what was it the Jalen Hurts team? Yeah, I, I believe so. I believe yeah. that was a Jalen Hurts team. So you got young Jalen Hurts, Mackenzie Milton, and UCF Parker Boudreaux. All those guys, man, I'd be that. I'm down for that. I'd be down for that. But. You know, that's the thing everybody talks about. We need if we're going to have the playoff, we need to expand it. And if not, have a potential for these these other conferences to have their own championship. That way, they're not just sitting there, because if you're a team like UCF or Cincinnati, you're going in with the hopes that you're going to at least make a big bowl. But if you don't make that big bowl. Then what's your yeah. season? You're not even playing for a championship. You're playing for the right to play in a big bowl game. And there are
1: so many teams this year too who can slash will probably finish undefeated because there aren't you know enough spots even in bowl games for these teams to go against good opponents. So I feel like you know how many undefeated teams do we still have? We've got Cincy, we've got BYU, we've got Bama, of course, Notre Dame. But getting into like the smaller schools, Cincy, BYU, Marshall's still undefeated.
0: Don't forget about the Shants. who pulled out a big the big victory. Chance
1: comeback victory this past week against Appalachian State Oh, what a great win but I mean those teams I mean Coastal Carolina is probably not going to get an opponent as good as them in a bowl game I think there is a good chance at this point like we were joking about it at the beginning of the year when they got into the top 25 but I think Coastal Carolina more than likely at this point finishes undefeated or at least they're a favorite in every remaining game on their schedule probably the same for Marshall I don't think Marshall is going to go out and play anyone good in a bowl game I mean, I I truly think that you're gonna you're gonna run into a problem if you're the playoffs, like playoff committee here, where you're gonna have a bunch of teams who are undefeated saying, Hey, you know, we're in FBS two and we're undefeated. Why aren't we up there?
0: Yeah, and it's gonna be really interesting. So the college football playoff the first week of their official committee rankings is gonna come out on Tuesday, and we'll see what yeah. they're thinking. I mean, I mean, I
1: think the I think the top four is pretty much set in stone right now. I think Bama's won. Notre Dame is two, Ohio State's three, Clemson's four. I don't think mm-hmm. anyone's gonna argue that for now until something changes. And I, I think really the next time anything there can change. Obviously, Bama plays Auburn in the Iron Bowl coming up. Is that that's this weekend, isn't that it? That is
0: that's gonna be this weekend. That's, that's a Saturday huge game.
1: Football. If Auburn can come out and either beat Bama or beat in two weeks AM, either of those could be huge to to shift up the the college football playoff rankings. And then also, you know, obviously the ACC championship is probably coming up. If Notre Dame can hold on against North Carolina this week, uh, who's really their only difficult opponent until they get to the ACC championship at this point, that's going to be the next game that really matters. Because Ohio State, they don't play Wisconsin this year. Their schedule is pretty much done at this point. They're they're not playing anyone that's even top 25 caliber the rest of the year. And I, I think they're pretty much set for, for the playoff. As long as they don't have you know too many cancellations because of COVID, they go, you know, take care of business in the Big Ten Championship. They should be fine.
0: Yeah, and I I have a feeling that once we get to the Iron Bowl, if we see a team like Bama lose to Auburn, I mean, just think about it. There, I mean, that's chaos. It I'm, is I, chaos. I I also have another hot take alert. Get yeah. ready. Um, if Cincy is ranked at five this tuesday which i could i could see i don't I think know it's, feasible. it's feasible i don't think it's i don't
1: think it's likely but if, i yeah. think it's possible i think there'll be 6 AM five or florida five
0: yeah because i i've a feeling since he maybe I, I could see since he at six maybe i don't know if i see since i five, see them at six if you see a team if you're the six ranked team in cincinnati you all you have to do is prove if you, uh, you just keep winning football games keep winning football games let the chips fall where they may Alabama loses to Auburn that I would think moves you up at least one or it especially moves you up if Auburn a beats Bama and B if they beat A&M it
1: definitely moves them up I don't know if Bama falls below Cincy if they lose one game I, I I mean I think it's once again just getting into the nature of the beast where Cincy just doesn't have those opponents where I think if Bama is a one loss team they're still in the playoff and I think you get into a weird scenario especially this year where if Clemson beats Notre Dame and Bama loses to Auburn, I think you legitimately could have three one-loss teams in the playoff and multiple undefeated teams to get held out.
0: Which would be absolutely nuts. And it would just call on more for reform. Yeah. I mean, can to... you imagine? Yeah. I mean,
1: Ohio St- we'll say Ohio State wins out, Notre Dame loses to Clemson in the ACC championship, and Bama loses to Auburn this week. I don't see Bama or Notre Dame falling out of the playoff by losing those games.
0: Mm-mm. I don't see that either. I think the only way Cincinnati has a path is if Bama loses to Auburn and then Notre Dame beats Clemson in the ACC championship. At least, two at two least lost one, one or team. the other. Yeah. one if or the Clemson,
1: other If Clemson happen. becomes a two-loss team, I don't think there's any way they make the playoff. Even though both losses are to Notre Dame, I don't think they make the playoff as a two-loss team just because of how many one-loss teams they're going to be at the top. Because
0: then that even begs the question, if, if that scenario happens and A&M beats – Auburn. If AM
1: beats an Auburn team that just beat Bama, does A&M, A&M skyrocket in the top four? And I think they do as a number four because
0: season. Because A&M doesn't, if, if, well, then in that case, A&M will be playing in the ACC championship game. Yeah. Against Florida again assuming everything goes wrong and and essentially at that point yeah
1: and essentially at that point it just becomes a winner goes into the playoff game yeah i mean we're we're going down a yeah we're going down a big path
0: we we could we could predict as much as we want to but it's going to be very crazy to think i think
1: this is a super important year for the committee to to kind of show what they find important because Mm -hmm. there are going to be teams that they strongly consider and i think even put in the playoff like ohio state they're going to have three or four less games than other teams exactly and at that point i mean like you said if they only have that so many data points are they going to
0: hold that against them and if i'm a committee member right now i'm looking at ohio state they do not have the best performance against indiana they, look they only vulnerable. have four, and that it gets to the point where if you're only going to have four games five games six games whatever if you're not going to have as many games as a notre dame or a team that's going to play 10 game schedule you better play and be on your a game because if you just squeak by i don't it hurts your case and and i know indiana was obviously the close game
1: like just going into ohio state specifically i know indiana was the closest one where it was only a seven point difference but ohio state's defense hasn't been good all year they gave up 35 to indiana their their rush defense was fine but that's mostly just because indiana can't run the ball i mean they gave up 500 passing yards Week before that, Rutgers puts up 27 on him. Penn State put up 25 on him. I mean, even Nebraska, who's a team that's going to finish with one or two wins probably, I mean, scores 17 on them. That's something you didn't see from Ohio State in previous years, and it's something that we are seeing this year. So I I think it just goes to show even more that there is not a set-in-stone team that, that will, you know, una- there's not a unanimous one, I think, at this point, even though, you know, Bama is the unanimous one. I don't think that's true. I don't think there's a team that's going to run away with the college football playoff. And I think this year is going to be super
0: important. Yeah. I think it's, it's a big, big, big year for the CFP. And you know, what else is a big year for we touched on a little bit. How about those damn coastal Carolina Chanticleers in their teal field going out there and taking care of business against Appalachian state. What a big statement victory for them. And we talked about them as one of the undefeateds, but I mean, you saw Grayson Call go out there and you saw that Coastal Carolina team. They were resilient. He drops dimes, drops dimes. And that Appalachian State team is no joke. They have been the talk of the Sun Belt ever since they beat Michigan. They have been the team to beat in the fun belt. And Coastal Carolina is changing the tides, man. Don't just stop your crying. It's the sign of the times. Harry Styles quote, shameless plug. But look at that team. Look at that Coastal Carolina team. Jerry Palm had them predicted to go to the Myrtle Beach Bowl where they'd be playing at their home stadium. This team is looking at the possibility of having a a solid bowl for a team in the Sun Belt. It just goes to show you, man, this is a year for the college football committee. Yeah. It's a year for them because when you're battling adversity, adversity being the COVID-19 pandemic, you have to be able to, you know, persevere. Yeah. Find a way. Adapt. Because if you can't adapt and you're just going to sit there, there's going to be angry people. And if Cincinnati is undefeated and there's a scenario where I can see them making it, I don't know. Hey, if
1: Michigan keeps losing and they do fire Harbaugh, do they hire Coastal Carolina's coach next? That's bold. Jamie Chadwell. Give me Jamie Chadwell. Two-time FCS National Coach of the Year. He's he's taking the shots to an undefeated season possibly this year. I think it's only a matter of time before he
0: goes somewhere. So nice he did it twice. The, hey, the 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 new the next Scott Frost. Who knows? And we know how that we know how that hire worked out yeah. <laughs> for
1: Nebraska.
0: But hey, we'll see. Maybe maybe it'll work out for for Jamie. We'll see because we'll see. he's built a culture there at Coastal Carolina. Absolutely, they love they love their coach. They love everything that they got. Indiana esque. Love it. Love to see it. So that's football. We got to end on. And then another sad thing, actually, before we close it out, Liberty, the Liberty Flames. Yeah. We actually lost one
1: of the undefeated teams this past yes. week to NC State. Pour one out for Liberty. And I know in- it was yeah. in a week too where uh, South Carolina fired their coach. There were a lot of Hugh Freeze to South Carolina uh, rumors circulating, and I wonder if those all those rumors. I know, I know, you know, he tried to deny them before the game, but you gotta wonder in a in a week like that where your head coach is is rumored to be you know, in talks with another team, going back to the SEC, getting back into the big show, does that, you know, change what your team's thinking about when they're on the field? You know, is he coaching differently because that's in the back of his mind? And I really don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of just an interesting thing to think about, but yeah, pour one out for the flames.
0: Yeah. Sad season for the flames, but they still, they're still on a a track to play coastal Carolina. So we'll see. Uh, But, yeah, that's what we got for NCAA football. It's just a whole lot of speculation at this point. It really depends on how the chips fall because there's one team that I know is going to fight their way through it. It's Cincy. They really don't have that other big test until they get to the AAC AAC championship. So we'll see. But, as always, onwards to football. Sunday football, that is. And we'll start on Thursday. Uh, The Seahawks take back the division for now. Yeah. And that and was hey, a, it's a solid victory. It was.
1: It was a it was a back and forth affair. I know uh they had Lockett back. That was huge. He had a touchdown. And uh I think it was even maybe a slower game than normal for DK, which is you know not saying much because usually he's outstanding, but uh I, I know that was a that was a really fun game to watch at the end. Kyler was driving at the end of that game and just kind of stalled out right around, you know, field goal range. Obviously they needed the touchdown, but I think that, that is a huge win for the Seahawks. I mean, they needed that desperately, especially with uh, the Rams on Monday Night Football tonight if they are able to beat the Buccaneers somehow. I mean, I, the Buccaneers are hot right now, but if the Rams go out and they get a victory and also move to 7-3, and three, that division is still up in the air. And, I mean, the Seahawks need to win all those games.
0: Yeah. Man, I, one thing I love, the neon green units oh, yeah. for the Seahawks. That is clean. And hey, th- can I also add,
1: they still have the home field advantage. Mm-hmm. They still got no fans. They haven't lost a game at home this year. They're two and three on the
0: road. The ghost of the 12th
1: man? The ghost of the 12th man at Century Link. How
0: about that? It's still there. DK Metcalf only had thirteen points. I only say only, but still thirteen point six saying. Like, fantasy points. It it's lower quiet, than normal for him. It's a quiet night, but it's still a solid night. You know, for it's just been
1: a nasty year. Yeah, for Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, you know, they got Lockett back. That's part of it. You got multiple receivers to throw to now, but I mean, that receiving core is dangerous. And they did that. They were able to beat that Cardinals team without any running backs. Basically, they're still missing Carson and Hyde. They've got DJ Dallas in the backfield.
0: Yeah. So I mean, that's
1: that's a team where Russell Wilson really is. I, they they live by the Russell Wilson and they die by the Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. And in the games that they've lost, it's been because their quarterback performance wasn't up to par. I mean, the running backs haven't been exquisite all year. They're just getting killed by injuries there. So, I mean, it really does come down to what Russell Wilson and that receiving core is able to do. And they, they are elite most weeks. And when they're elite, you better watch out because they're going to win.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's something to look forward to. You know, Russ his MVP chatter kind of cooled down over the past couple of weeks with a couple of lackluster performances. But Hey, is but it, is it back? It wasn't, it, back? it
1: wasn't a great game, but he got
0: the job done. Exactly. And that's, that's all you need key. to do. That's the key. You, you just keep racking up the W's and you're chilling. And, for a team that needs to start racking up the W's, I was actually fairly surprised by the play from our wonderful Houston Texans at an open-roof NRG Stadium. Yeah, first time in a long time. First time in six years the roof has been open to NRG Stadium. I mean, and no and the, crowd noise, might yeah, as well. The Texans pick up a victory, and it was mainly because they decided, you know, we kind of don't, we are not that good running the football, so yeah. let's just let our best player yeah. Do what he needs to do. They, and they only, let they only Watson... ran the ball like 13 times, I want to say,
1: with running backs, and it's for like 19 yards, so why keep doing it? Mm-hmm. Just take take the Indiana approach. Indiana threw for 500 passing yards. Why not just air it out? And I, Deshaun Watson's your best player. Why not utilize him? And that's exactly what they did. And I know even when you do that, I mean, even his his rushing game, he had that rushing touchdown today where he just absolutely barreled over. Oh, yeah. Who was it? Was it McCourty?
0: It was McCourty. It was one of the McCordy brothers. He absolutely yeah. barreled through McCordy. That's the equivalent of getting a poster in basketball. He just up on the right Trupped stick, him. truck stick, and he's in the end zone. You don't know what hits you. Yeah. So and then I think my actually my highlight of the week for the Texans is How about long snapper John Weeks? Oh, yeah. He has passed the record. He has now played the most games in Texans history. Beautiful. Love to see it. The Baylor product, John Weeks. I think it's 170. He passes Andre Johnson. And you know, we're just pumped for John Weeks, absolutely ecstatic, absolutely for the long snap. And hey, how
1: about how about uh stepping in for some some injured wide receivers? Kiki QT getting in the end zone,
0: yeah. First time he's seen the field. When was the last time you heard the name Kiki QT since we drafted him? I mean, the guy he was good his rookie season too when he played, when he was healthy, and it was almost like Bill O'Brien had a vendetta out against him, he did never touch the field. And then now under a Romeo Crinell regime, he finally gets on the field after the yeah. releasing of DeAndre Carter. They need people to run back kicks, yeah. and why and not got, QT? Hey,
1: I, Cobb was out for the game. He he got hurt on that touchdown catch. I know Stills was on on the sideline with a leg injury. You know why not give the give the guy a chance? And he he showed. You know, I I think in weeks to come, you probably have to let him see the field. Now he goes out there, you give him his chance, and he gets a long touchdown.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, and, that's huge. And you know, it's not, we're not saying that the Texans wide receiver core sucks. It's just not the best. I mean, when they're on, when they can go out there and perform, they're actually kind of decent. Oh yeah. It's, they don't have any
1: stars like DeAndre Hopkins, but they have consistently good receivers. I mean, Will Fuller has been healthy this year, which automatically makes him pretty, pretty damn good. And Bra- Brandon cooks has turned it on in recent weeks. He had almost a hundred receiving yards today but you know when you just have when you have that many options i mean injuries really aren't hurting us in the wide receiver core as much because of this and i think it's one thing that you know maybe you can say bill o'brien did well i mean getting rid of hopkins is is killer i mean we will never forgive him for that but at least he replaced him with guys who were formidable
0: exactly and you know you you got a quick week going ahead you have a thanksgiving game against the lions you know the last time they played the lions it was Justin Forsett with the phantom touchdown that oh, one yeah. Thanksgiving day. What, a, what that man, that seems like a long time ago. What a but time to be alive. You got, you got the lions at 1130 on Turkey day. So that'll be fun for the Texans. I think if they can continue the stretch that they're on, I mean, it only helps them to go out there and finish the year off strong. I mean, they don't even have their first round draft. Yeah, pick, you might so, as well. I mean, you might as well be mediocre.
1: <laughs> There's no difference between a, between a, early third round pick and a mid third round pick exactly and you know and hey who knows we're three and seven if we went out go nine and seven i know that's not even gonna be close to to being good enough for a division title with the titans and colts ahead of us but hey maybe maybe some crazy things
0: happen we sneak into the second wild card who knows anything's possible in 2020 we're not mathematically eliminated yet Mm -hmm. we'll just say that why not so and speaking of the team that Benefits from the Texans being bad. The Dolphins, how about uh, pain for my fantasy team and pain for Tua Tagovailoa? Tua gets benched. And they lose to the Broncos. Kinda like a yeah. oh, that's gotta wow. leave a that's gotta leave a
1: bitter taste in your mouth. That Broncos team has been ugly this year at times.
0: And that the the Dolphins had a lot of momentum. They were getting a lot of press coverage on how decent they had surprisingly been this yeah. year. And, and their
1: their run defense especially have been great all year. And they, they come into today and give up I, I think almost 200 yards combined between Gordon and Lindsay. Because I know Gordon and Lindsay kind of split carries in Denver, but they both had like eighty-something rushing yards today. Melvin Gordon had two touchdowns. I had him on my bench. It didn't matter. I mean, I still won by like 70. Finally back in form.
0: And I'm back under 500 again. uh, Tua Tagovailoa, you want to guess how many points he had? on Over, under of nine. I'm going to go under. And you're going to be right. Only 7.32 points for me. 83 yards and a touchdown. Not good for me. I am uh, put up a whopping 71 points this week. But, you know and you get to the, you talk about their defense. They got an interception. They got a fumble, but you just let the, you let Lindsay run up and down the field against you. They, they gave up, but they gave up almost 500 total yards today. I mean, that can't happen. So, you know, the dolphins, they're, they're, they're fighting for a playoff spot. They're just behind the bills. I mean, and now, and now you've, now you've incited a quarterback contribution. Oh yeah. Contribution and game. I, I honestly, I was about to say,
1: I don't know why Brian Flores chooses to do that in a game where, you know, two is not playing well, obviously 20 pass attempts. You only have 83 yards, but at least he hasn't turned the ball over. I mean, he's at least kind of managing to, to keep the ball. I mean, he's, he's completion percentage, just over 50%. He's been sacked six times. Whether you put that on him or on the offensive line, I didn't watch. I don't know but you know he had a he had a touchdown pass, no picks, no fumbles and then you you put in Ryan Fitzpatrick who you've clearly decided is not the quarterback for the rest of the season and he blows the game.
0: Yeah, if you're going to bench Tua then at least give Fitzpatrick a chance because yeah. now you've opened those. Like, why are you yeah. benching and, him? And they said mean, right after the game again,
1: to two as the quarterback next week, okay. if so, you're going to make him the quarterback next week, anyways, why not
0: just let him ride it out? Yeah, exactly. It, it's his first year. He, he's such a raw prospect. You know, I was looking with a couple of my buddies looking back at the film, uh, that from the last week and his footwork is just messy. His, the way, I mean, the way he throws, it's messy. It, it's, he's not a polished product. No, Compared to Justin Herbert, who's going out there and he looks elite. He looks great. And you're wondering, you're scratching your head at like, man, what is this guy doing? Yeah. And it, it, I, in my honest opinion, I let Fitzpatrick finish out the year. You were good under Fitzpatrick. You let him go. And now you're just having to deal with Tua. I mean, don't open yourself up to the controversy yeah. by just, it doesn't make sense. I, to I,
1: I mean, I think there's only two options that really make sense to me. And that's either, they should have never been Fitz magic in the first place. Just let him ride out the season. Cause he's on a winning streak and they, you know, all of a sudden make the, make the decision that Tua is going to be the starter. If you either have to let Fitzpatrick ride out the rest of the season on that winning streak, See if you can sneak into a second wild card spot. Now, I mean, to do that, you're either going to have to to beat the Browns in in the in the standings, or you're going to have to beat either the Colts or the or the Titans, whichever ones don't win the division there. And I know we'll get into that in a minute, that battle. But I mean, you really, you know, don't have a, a super big window to get into the playoffs. And if Fitzpatrick's working, why get rid of him? And then once you do get rid of him for Tua, you have to keep in Tua. You can't. You can't give him the reins when you have a winning record and are fighting for a second wild card spot in the playoffs, and say, "Hey, this is your team, bud." And then in a game when things get a little ropey against a mediocre at best Denver Broncos team, you take him out of the game and say, "Hey, you know you're the franchise quarterback, but we don't trust you in this late game situation when we need a comeback." I mean, that's that's sending mixed signals to both of those guys. I know Fitzpatrick was pissed off when he got benched. I think Tua's got to be on the sidelines today thinking, hey, I'm pissed off too.
0: Mm-hmm. If you're going to tell me it's my team, then it's my team. But if you're going to just play the tango and you're just going to dance around the fact, you, you got to choose one or the other at the end of the day. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see that dynamic. But, you know, the only backup quarterback I'm here for, is MVP J. Walker oh, going yeah. out there with a hurt Teddy Bridgewater, balling out, shutting out Matt Patricia and without McCaffrey Lions, too, without Christian McCaffrey, glimpses of the Roughnecks. Just he was he was throwing dimes today. MVP J. Yeah. Walker, I'm here and you know that. two
1: interceptions still not ideal, but you know solid completion percentage. He had a touchdown pass to uh, I think it was Curtis Samuel. But, you know, I, I think that's a great receiving core. It's a great place for P.J. Walker to be because of all the weapons they have, especially if McCaffrey's healthy in that game and they're missing Bridgewater. I mean, I think you could see someone that's, you know, similar to in talent or maybe even surprises you. I, I mean, in, in comparison to Teddy Bridgewater, I don't think he's all that different. And I think it just goes to show you what kind of talent there is out there. Uh, I mean, undisputed uh, XFL MVP, P.J. Walker.
0: I'm telling you, he's got a
1: future in the NFL. If it's not with the Panthers,
0: if they don't bring him back after this season, he's got a future somewhere. Yeah. And he's proven. I mean, he's yes, he only had put up 10 fantasy points. Yeah, whatever. But I mean, he's got accuracy when he needs it. Yet there were there were some sloppy times with the interceptions, but he has accuracy and he he's proven himself. He's a solid backup quarterback. Yeah. And I think that's what we were pre-COVID hoping that's what the XFL was going to bring us. We were going to see these stories of these players who just didn't get their shot for whatever reason. And they go out there, and they get an opportunity, and they go out there, and if they if they perform, look at them now. And we see it with a glimpse of P.J. Walker. And, you know, whatever, whatever path the XFL goes down, I think that's going to be the lasting legacy of the, what, five weeks of the XFL we yeah. have is – the ability to give players another shot. Yeah. Which is something. That and right doing. now
1: it's, it's PJ Walker and nobody else.
0: Exactly. So another big one from that rule. Yeah. Big, big Matt rule guy. Oh yeah. Check out the Panthers in a couple of years. You'll be excited. Uh, let's see what else we got. I know we
1: touched on it. I, we can talk about that AFC South battle. We touched on it. I, I touched on it momentarily earlier, but the Colts and the Titans both go into seven and three this week against two good teams. Derrick Henry with the, with the game winning touchdown and overtime to take down the Ravens. Mm-hmm. And then Phillip Rivers takes out in overtime. You got Rec specs walk-off field goal against C- Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I, I mean, all I got to say, how many kids does Aaron Rodgers have?
0: Yep, not more as more or less as Philip than Philip Rivers. Rivers. It's less. It is less. And that is numbers never lie, folks. Yeah. That's just the cold hard facts. Yeah. But you talked about it. The CEO, president, owner of the Rex Spec Club, oh, yeah. the one and only Rodrigo Blankenship, absolutely nails just unfazed for the game and overtime. He gets pumped, he's excited. And look at the Colts now. Look at the Colts. That's a big victory against Aaron Rodgers. Absolutely. And hey,
1: I was thinking of something earlier this week. This is something really weird to think about, but you know how Eli Manning was traded on draft night for Phillip Rivers. Mm -hmm. If Phillip Rivers stays with the Giants, do they win those two Super Bowls? Or do they even potentially win more than that? Because I looked at it side by side. There is absolutely no debate in my eyes. Phillip Rivers is a better quarterback than Eli Manning. And yeah. I, I don't, I was just thinking about, it. it was bizarre. Cause we were thinking about, like, I was talking to some friends and they were like, Hey, what well, Manning, who is Manning traded for? Cause uh, we were talking, I don't remember how we got to talking about Eli, but we were like, Hey, wasn't, wasn't Manning traded on draft night. We were talking about Trevor's completion percentages, miles ahead. He has more touchdowns, less interceptions, less fumbles, more passing yards. I mean, he's better in literally every category. And I, it like, it literally made me think like, you know, I'm really glad Philip Rivers is getting a chance with a good team right now in the Colts because he's always been with that Chargers team that's never really actually competed for any Super Bowls and I think I I personally I know the Texans are out of the division race this year. I would love to see the Colts make a run in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I would like it too. I, would like I just to for it. Phillip Rivers. Yeah, even even the Titans too. I think those two teams from just a, a NFL perspective. I mean, you have Mike yep. Vrabel, and who would have thought two years ago Ryan Tannehill would be in absolutely. the MVP conversation in 2020? Yeah, that's absolutely crazy to think with, about.
1: with Henry too, who's just been ridiculous. I mean, I have him in fantasy, and he's not great every week because you know even the games where he rushes for 100 yards, if he doesn't have a touchdown, you kind of screwed. But, I mean, he's going out there week after week, and he's just an absolute bell cow running back. He
0: gets the job done. Exactly. He's a big man. Hey, big man. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) I mean. I'm saying, I mean, in the AFC South, we saw for the longest time the Texans dominated because the Colts and Titans just weren't yeah, there. They just wasn't, they in were competition. in transitioning years and now they're finally back yeah. and the Texans are back to being, yeah, s- not. And really.
1: Hey, Colts and the Titans play each other this upcoming week. That's going to be a huge game. That is going to be a whale. Couple, a couple of huge interdivision matchups next week. You got Colts and Titans and on Thanksgiving day at night, You've got, uh, who is it? The Ravens and the Steelers. That's going to be an amazing football game. I mean, we can can actually get into it. There are really three big games. Uh, The NFC East is up in the air next week too between Dallas and Washington. The three and seven teams play each other. And if the, who is it? The Bengals and uh, who am I missing? The Eagles, if they both lose next week and the winner of Washington-Dallas becomes four and seven, that four and seven team could be in the lead of the division. Think about that. Can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, we literally could have a game next week between Washington and Dallas. Another one on Thanksgiving Day where the winner of that at the end of the week is winning the division.
0: Can you, it's just crazy to think the lack of competition. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's sad. Coming into that.
1: today, they were, they were both two and seven teams and, and they could literally be in the lead in their division on Thursday.
0: It's, it's nuts. And we can touch on that. I mean, how about Andy Dalton and the, yeah, I the, mean, the boys?
1: I mean, I, I, let's be honest. There wasn't much defense <laughs> in that game on either side. The, those are the two, I would argue, of the bottom probably four or five defenses in the league. But, I mean, Dalton looked good. He finally came back off the COVID list. He had that concussion that from that nasty hit. And, and he was back, and he looked decent.
0: Yeah, he looked I,
1: they, put up what 31 points had that had that nice drive at the end of the game found uh Schultz I think it was in the end zone at the end for the win
0: mm-hmm. and you know in in a, in a year that hasn't been a lot to be happy about as a Cowboys fan I mean that's a quality victory how about that? and how about Gary I I'm you know the Vikings lost whatever but Gary Kubiak I was just so I was taken aback by there was little boot play that Kirk Cousins ran to perfection yeah and you know Adam Thielen had a day too. I Brings mean, back memories of that. <laughs> that old Texans team with Shaub it was at the just helm. Schaub and Andre Johnson. Most, and that then. was
1: the most beautiful play in football. I will always argue when it was going on was the Schaub play action bootleg to either oh, Andre Johnson or Owen Daniels or how about this name Kevin Walter
0: oh my gosh Kevin Walter that was man. such
1: a nasty play gosh. and it worked so well on that team especially Just, when we had Foster as the running best. back because that would play was, on was so that? perfect oh my gosh no
0: that that play was that was the wave because it, it, you could you knew the play was coming as soon as shop fake the handoff and he starts running yeah. to the right like uh oh yeah here comes trouble and here it was here's just right in the middle of the side just there and dre it's there and that was that's a, it was beautiful an amazing play i was that's just something that i really enjoyed and i love seeing gary kubiak still in the game that's just wonderful um super bowl champion gary kubiak put some respect <laughs> on his name um yeah yeah it was not a good defensive matchup no, there not um, at all and i think i'm getting just continuing with the sad stuff we got to feel bad for joe burrow you talked about the Bengals yeah, a, t- a little bit we did touch um, on it joey b uh torn acl and he looked decent from you know the beginning of the season i mean he's you know number one pick and you know, we'll see you next year. Yeah. We'll see you next year. I, 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 you know, that's just the stuff you hate to see. And,
1: and it's such a hard thing to watch as just a fan in general, too. And you saw it from the players when, uh, when he was being carted off, there were Washington players around him, too. I mean, Washington players were taking a knee on the sideline. They were just as upset about it as Cincinnati players were and Cincinnati fans. And that, you know, just goes to show how big of a name that is, how big of a face he is in the league right now. And, you know, I think a bunch of people had a bunch of expectations for him. And, you know, just having to put those on hold for an entire, you know, half a season going into next year, it's just tough to watch.
0: Mm -hmm. Very much so. So, and kind of the crazy thing about that, he lost to Alex Smith, who himself is battling back by a much... Worse leg injury yeah. so it's crazy to think. it's been I...
1: so weird to think about because Alex Smith has been involved in multiple of those injuries this year he's playing against Burrow today when Burrow gets it he went to replace Kyle Allen who suffered a gruesome injury I mean one of those where you just cringe when you watch it and it's just so I don't know weird to think about to me like what is going through Alex Smith's head when he watches that when he's on the sideline and he sees you know the guy ahead of him or the guy on the other side of the field that he's playing against suffer one of those injuries it's got to be you know, just hell in his mind.
0: It has to be. And gosh, if you would have told me after I watched that Alex Smith special that he was going to go out there and play football again. I would have told you you're crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. If you watch that E60 special, you'll you you you'll be wondering how in God's name yeah. is this guy playing football right I mean, now? The, the dude literally almost died. Yeah. So that's just crazy. But big ups to the Washington football team for getting the dub. Maybe they'll go out there and Make the playoffs. Who knows? Who knows? Gosh, anything it's anything's possible. Um, you know what could have been possible is the Raiders beating the Chiefs twice in a year, but I guess the Raiders are just a big fan of the soft zone. Yeah. and Taking just, notes from
1: like the 2018 Texans. Yeah,
0: I mean, you just let the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes you, just uh, Yeah, drive you cannot do that against field. Patrick Mahomes. You can't run a soft zone and not expect Mahomes to mm-hmm. exploit it. Especially because they
1: were up three at the time, weren't they? When they scored the touchdown. I mean, if you just play defense like you've been playing all game and you're able to at least limit the Chiefs to a field goal, I mean, you're playing good offense. You've put up 31 points on the day, and you could have had more. I mean, at that point, you're just hoping that you win the coin toss and overtime.
0: Exactly. And it becomes and if you,
1: a, yeah. And instead, you run this soft zone and essentially let them march down the field. Travis Kelsey's wide open on the end in, in the end zone because they bid on a Mahomes like kind of scramble sort of thing, like running up,
0: uh, and they just completely left Kelsey alone in the end zone. And if I'm John Gruden, I'm living. I mean, yeah. your, your team was in that game and you know and i the thing i hate too they there's still 28 seconds on the clock they get the ball back and there goes Derek carr first pass pick yeah and he doesn't even have any emotion yeah just he kind of like, just eh, shrugged it off it He's is like, what yeah. it is it's like man you're if you're trying to be great yeah if you're trying to contend for a championship you can't be satisfied with Throwing a pick when you saw twenty, yeah, yes, it's improbable you're going to go down the length yeah. of the field in 28 seconds.
1: But on a John Gruden team, I mean, come on, that's not something Gruden wants to see. You watched him on Hard Knocks; you know what kind of guy he is. He is not going to take kindly to something like that. And I, I'm just, I, I was watching it with you. I don't know what Carr was thinking. I mean, he like the the play itself was bad. Mm-mm. We're just kind of lobbing it up. Sorensen had the easiest interception of his life,
0: probably. Yeah. And it was but, an easy touchdown yeah, too. With the absolutely, zone. I mean they it basically just open. gave that game away. It, it, it if you it, like I said, it gets back to the point. You've already beat them once, big statement victory. It's the key to your season so far, and you go out there and you're trying to go win another yeah. football game, and you just and that puts know. them at seven and three too. That puts them right in the middle of that wild
1: card race. And now instead, I mean the AFC, I we took we joked about the Texans going to the playoffs, like how it wasn't you know completely impossible still, but I I mean let's be honest, they're not going to. Because the AFC wildcard race is going to be really, really difficult this year. You got the Dolphins at six and four in second place in their division. You got the Titans Titans and Colts tied for first at seven and three. So you got a seven and three wildcard team there. You got the Browns at seven and three, second place in their division. You got the Ravens at third place in their division at six and four. There's so much going on in that division right now. There is absolutely no way to know who's going to take up those wildcard spots. And I I really think like that's a game that the Raiders needed. If you win that and you're seven and three, tied for first with that wild card spot. I mean, yeah, we're looking at it right now on the TV. Speaking of the devil, right? As I said, it, the Titans and Browns both seven and three in the wild card right now. And then you've got the Raiders, Ravens, and Dolphins tied at six and four for that third spot. And if you win that game, you're in, you know, sole possession of one of those wild card
0: spots. That goes a long way. And you essentially control your own destiny. Yeah. But now you're you're fighting again. So. Yeah. And and the Dolphins have a free win basically next week. They're playing against the Jets. I know they were,
1: you know, the whole quarterback controversy. Tua's coming back next week. You know, see how he plays. But it's against the Jets. I mean, let's be honest. That's probably a win for the Dolphins. So they're about to be seven and four. It's it's just it's a game that the Raiders could not give away and they did. Mm -hmm. And I think I think that's a game where if they don't make the playoffs, that that comes back to haunt them. That you know sequence.
0: At the end of that game. And now you have to go pitch a shutout. So we'll see. I I, you know it's something where you got to come correct. And if you don't come correct, you don't know what's going to happen. So now we're going to get on to it, man. We we had a whole special about it. And the free agency starts. And, you know, Wednesday night, we were just still up in the air about the Rockets. But uh, we were hoping that they were going to make a couple big moves. They made one in general that I love. And it's Christian Wood, it man. Is a,
1: I like that signing. A
0: Christian lot. Wood, the 25-year-old big man. Hey, man, Christian Wood's a nice player. Okay, and he fits in perfectly with James Harden.
1: So, oh yeah. And just, I, I, I do kind of want to be negative for just a second before we get into the positives of the Rockets' free agency so far. It was such a Rockets thing, or such a Rockets fan thing, that originally they reported that the contract was three years, 27 million. And every Rockets fan was like, oh, man, we fleeced him. That's such a great deal. I mean, good good job, Rockets front office. You've done th- something right for once. Like, you've done something great. And then it's announced like 15 minutes later, like, oh, yeah, the contract's actually three years, $41 million. Goes up by almost $5 million a year. Like, I'm still happy we signed the guy. I think he's going to be a great addition. But just having that extra $5 million a year thrown in your face is such a Rockets fan thing to happen.
0: And there was like an hour... That we were just sitting in that endless purgatory yeah. because Frank Isola tweets that they've agreed, and then here comes Shams. Christian Wood is still fielding offers. So now you're like, oh, sh- yeah. we're gonna and you you even text me, are like, watch, Wood's gonna sign with another team, typical Rockets move. We yeah. ended up getting Wood, of course, for more money than I thought we were. And now we're in the luxury tax. We talked a lot about is Tillman gonna be willing to go in the luxury tax? and i mean he's in it right now i yeah. i seem to think that there's another going to be another trade up their sleeve but the Rockets, i would hope so they get christian wood and they get jay sean tate out of australia a couple sterling, other small sterling brown young signings to pair with the 5.2 million dollar Kenyon martin jr yeah, um but yeah we were looking at the roster earlier
1: and i think there has to be another trade i think we we're talking about it. I think Eric Gordon still gets dealt just because we looked at like the potential roster if Russ and Harden stay. And it's such a weird roster because at power forward you've got probably PJs playing there in the starting lineup. And you've got Christian Wood running the center. And then you basically have no bigs on your bench exactly. other than Tate. And that's such a that's such a dangerous place to be, especially because we tried the small ball experiment and it didn't work. I mean, we genuinely, I think, need to go out and get another big. We we threw out Boogie Cousins' name. He's still available. If we can sign him to a minimum, or if we can just feel the trade for either Eric Gordon, possibly Russell Westbrook, maybe we do see the Harden trade. I think it's getting more and more unlikely by the day, but maybe that happens. But I, I don't think the Rockets free agency is done by any means.
0: Yeah, and I mean, there's Hardens in Houston apparently training right now. Him and Wood played pickup together last. I mean, there's a whole lot of connections you can make. We can go down that rabbit hole. But, you know, I'm happy with our team if we get a center. Yeah. We still got a lot of stuff to do. We need another, we need a backup point guard. We need a, a lot of small forward help. Chris Clemens. And uh, yeah, how about Chris Clemens? And how about getting rid of Isaiah Hartenstein, two year deal yeah, with the Nuggets? I call it right now Isaiah Hartenstein is going to be a solid rotation piece for that Nuggets team next year. But if you can go out there and get a Hassan Whiteside, a Boogie Cousins, yeah. or even watch this name, Alex Len, <laughs> you can go out and get a big, that can just eat up minutes big Maryland and guy. be decent. You're in a good spot because if you look at this Rockets team at full strength, obviously no one's going to be the Lakers. We'll touch on what the Lakers did and how they are, you know, managed the, to get even better. The clutch sports team of the, it, it's just crazy. But you're still one of the top four teams in the West, in my opinion, if you run it back now, if not, who knows? And this all really hinges upon if Christian Wood can play like he did last year, because going into going into the suspended of play, Wood was one of the best centers in the
1: league. And hey, he was one of the first people to get COVID. I don't know if you remember that, but he tested positive. That's right. He he was actually his best game of the season last year. He had like 32 points, like eight rebounds or something. It was one of the last games, if not the last game he played before the season got shut down. He literally played that game with COVID, we later found out. And it was his best game of the year. I just think that's really funny. And I, I don't think it's like necessarily a strategic advantage, but I was joking about this, like, hey, He's already tested positive. He's not gonna get it again for a while until the virus mutates. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey. I mean he's a guy that you can depend on to be out on the court as long as he doesn't get injured. He's not gonna have any virus-related issues. Raphael, so at least for now,
0: that's a slight W, I guess. Raphael Stone playing 4D chess out he's here. He's playing chess. <laughs> I mean, that's that's actually that's deep insight right there. How you about like Raphael that? Stone? That's a solid, that's a solid insight, and that's a solid pickup for Raphael Stone. Uh, another great, solid pickup was the Lakers picking up Montrez Harrell. Yeah. Man, the the rich keep getting richer, man. I mean, did, you see, uh, did you see
1: Patrick Beverly on Twitter after it happened? Yeah, P-Bev was like, oh, <laughs> he was, man. He was pissed.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I would be pissed, too. I mean, this guy came out for that Clippers team, and he showed out for them. Yeah. And he, he's getting his bag, I mean, two years with the Lakers. and Yeah. I mean, you kind of saw, I, I mean,
1: I know a lot of people kind of saw it potentially coming that he was going to leave, especially after last year's playoffs. He kind of struggled. Uh, he had some issues in the bubble. I think he had to quarantine at the beginning of it because he violated the the protocol. But I, I think a lot of people or for a lot of Clippers players and fans. It was kind of a kick in the face for him to go across town, go play for the Lakers. I know. And Just, hey, that Lakers team is getting better and better by the minute. They they got rid of JaVale McGee, but they, you know, minutes after they traded JaVale McGee, they go out and sign Mark Gasol, a new veteran center that they can start, give, give decent minutes.
0: That team, like I said, the rich keep getting yep. richer. They're I getting mean, they're getting better by the minute. Think about that starting five we were talking about. We got they re-signed KCP. Yeah. Then you got They Dennis, trade for Schroeder. They got Dennis Schroeder. You got LeBron anthony davis and mark gasol or you can even bump davis to the five and start either coos or montrez harrell i mean that's deadly
1: yeah that's crazy that's a great great seven man that's the best seven man
0: rotation in the league i don't think there's any argument so i mean <laughs> nobody i mean you don't warriors don't have clay thompson this year they pick up kelly Oubre to supplement that but I mean, really, Kelly Oubre? Yeah. Come on, let's be real. I mean, what do
1: the Bucks have anything they can put up against that? I know they got Drew Holiday from the trade, and they've got Giannis and Chris Middleton, uh, Brooke Lopez. But after those four guys, I mean, they fall off so heavily. I, I guess they brought in Bobby Portis. That's yeah. that's at least a fifth guy you can maybe put into Get that rotation. Bobby but, Portis. I mean, th- there really isn't a team as deep and talented as the Lakers
0: right now. Mm-hmm. That's a solid, solid rotation. And, you know, the Clippers had to do something to supplement that. So who do they get? The man, the myth, Serge Ibaka, the yeah. cook himself. Big signing. Uh, that's a that's a big, yeah, like you said, big signing for the Clips. But is it going to be enough? I mean, that, I feel like they're trying to... They had like an ice cream sculpture and they put it outside and it's melting and they're like, oh, we got to fix it, fix it. Kind of like that iCarly episode where you had that butter statue. (laughs) I I mean, the butter's falling off right now. They got to find a way to fix it because, I mean, they're holding on by a threat, especially after that performance in the bubble. I mean, is Paul George really going to be that guy for them? And if he's not, you know, that's a lot of money you're spending on Steve Ballmer for a team that's going to get a second round exit. Yeah. Um, and, and another team that I'll
1: kind of even enter the conversation as a dark horse in the Western conference that could possibly challenge with the Lakers team, a Clippers team. That's the Portland trailblazers. Yep, they, they went, went out there and got themselves
0: Robert Covington
1: picked up Roko in the trade. They signed Enos Cantor. They signed Derek Jones. Uh, They brought back, or they still have, I should say Lillard and McCollum, as well as Nurkic, uh, their rotations getting stronger. They've got Gary Trent there who at least in the bubble had some, some flashes of, you know, Kyle Korver-esque shooting, shooting ability as a catch, catch and shoot guy. I mean, he was great at, at times that that's a team too, where I could, you know, that's a, that's a top four potentially Western conference team that could challenge the Rockets.
0: Exactly. And you know, they didn't have Nurkic for most of that year. No, so you're going to have a full year with Nurkic as well as Dame, healthy Dame, healthy McCollum. And you add Rocco on that team, watch out, watch out. Oh. I mean, I really didn't understand why they traded the Rockets traded Rocco, but it is what it is, I guess. And I'm I'm telling you that yeah. he fits in well. Yeah, with the Trailblazers trade. capitalized there. Fits in well, and I think it's smart. I mean, if you don't need draft capital, if you're trying to win now, you already have your guy in Dame. Go out there and get a proven vet in Rocco. and you know that's a big, big pickup for them. And Cantor, a reunion with Cantor, and man, I don't know. That's just yeah. that's crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. You know what else is crazy? Gordon Hayward. Oh yeah. Wow.
1: I was shocked when he declined the player option. I was like, man, what is he doing? Mm, he's going into he... free agency. I don't think he's going to get even close to 34 million. And I guess I mean I looking looking back in hindsight, I can sort of understand it. This year's market is a little bit slower, I think, than what next year's market's gonna be, especially because of the, kind of the the uncertainty surrounding Giannis's future in Milwaukee. I think next next year's free agency is going to be Giannis and nobody else. And, you know, I can see what Hayward's doing. If you take the $34 million this year and go into free agency next year, you're kind of an afterthought, especially if you don't have a good season this year with Boston. So instead, he kind of goes on the idea of, hey, I'm going to decline my player option enter free agency this year when I become one of the top free agents. And hopefully somebody, you know, goes all in to pay me in the hopes that I'm not injured. And that's exactly what
0: Charlotte goes out and does. And he goes in and gets his bag. And yeah. how about LaMelo Ball and Gordon Hayward in the span of four days? I mean, if I, you're a Hornets fan, that's more name power than you've had in a long time since yeah. uh, after, I don't even remember. It's Evan Jackson. Amika Okafor. How about that name? I mean, <laughs> you know, a Hornets for a Hornets fan, you really don't have a player. You know, you don't have you you've never had that one guy. I mean, you had Rosier, but, and you know, even Terry Rozier, who's on a trade market now, it looks like Terry's about to get dealt, but yeah, man, I mean, I, I'm kind of intrigued. I, I'm, I really want to see what Lamella ball is all about. But if, mm, if Lamella goes out there and becomes a guy, you add a solid person in Gordon Hayward, that's going to be, that's going to be a deadly team. And you, you even mentioned, which we'll touch on it with the Bucks. That Drew Holiday trade is growing and growing and growing. Yeah. Steven like, Adams yeah, Adams got added to the it. Pels.
1: And for yet another first round pick for the Thunder.
0: God, I mean, what is Sam Presti? <laughs> he's I mean, a maniac. This guy is addicted he's to the city. He's got a first, he's got round, a first, round, first round, fetish. round fetish. Yeah. Oh, wow. That make that a headline. Alliteration. First round fetish. Wow. Um, that's But yeah, Steven Adams to the Pels, that's gonna be big for them. I mean, wow. I mean, Brandon Ingram, Steven Adams. and that's a team that's a that's a basketball team right there i mean are they gonna contend probably not but still i mean they're there they're there in my book and hey
1: along the lines of crappy teams making really large signings that don't make much sense if i told you jeremy grant got 60 million dollars from the detroit pistons how many years would you think that contract was for four maybe five five
0: (laughs) And three, three years 60 million for jeremy grant give me 20 mil a year for be to be a solid role player hey, come on man really that's why the pistons are just like <laughs> yeah. that's why the pistons are the pistons this they, is jeremy they already grant. they
1: already have blake griffin's contract on come the books on, they're taking man. that on
0: now too come on like as rockets fans we we've seen we were like okay jeremy grant's gonna become a rocket he's gonna be a solid role player and then now this guy's getting 20 mil a year yeah to play, uh, you gotta be joking M- me with that one. You got Mason Plumley. Gosh, it's just the land Getting of bad ca- contracts. It's, it's the land of bad contracts yeah. and Dwayne Casey as your head coach, the yeah. guy that just couldn't get the Ra- Raptors team over the hump. Come yeah. on. And as it is, Casey's got a big contract too. So I don't know what, I mean, it, I guess they got unlimited money, but they don't really hey, care hey. about when and not there. That's the story of the
1: Pistons and the Hornets. Just bad contract after yeah. bad contract. I, I feel bad.
0: I mean, it, it, I'm, I feel bad for them. I do. I legitimately do.
1: And speaking of the Raptors, how about, how about the Tampa Bay Raptors? How about what's that, that kind of, what's that kind to ring?
0: That, that, that that sounds weird, but yeah, of course, Canada's not going to allow uh sporting events or at least people to go up and across the border. So, here come the tampa bay raptors reporting live from i mean hey it, it already
1: weekend. you already have the same first two letters as rays maybe you can rebrand that stuff just kind of cross out the ys and put in Paters instead mm-hmm. hey you're like 90 percent of the way to merch. yeah i mean i mean, I, I don't see game. why
0: they don't capitalize on it i would i would especially if you're coming off a race team that works here. perfectly coming off a world series and you have the lightning who won the stanley cup yeah. i mean who knows? Maybe it's the Tampa Bay Raptors year. And hey, it's, maybe
1: the Tampa Bay Raptors go out and win the East. It's possible. I'd be
0: down for that. Spicy P little, little Siakam action. Spicy like P down in the sunshine state? I mean, I'm, who says no? I, I certainly don't. I don't either. I mean, that's gonna be fun. I'm excited for that. I'm pumped for the Tampa Bay Raptors. And you know, I'm also pumped, you know, we had our frenzy. I don't I don't even I don't even think Woj went to sleep for two nights. Yeah, but we've had our free agency frenzy. Bobby Marks is saying 89% of all roster spots are filled. So we still got that last 11% to look forward to, but it's been hectic. So we'll see. Rockets still need to make a couple additions. Like you said, maybe we get Boogie Cousins. Who knows? And and hey,
1: on top of free agency, we did get some big extensions too. Oh yeah, we did. We did. We we got Jason Tatum, uh, Donovan Mitchell, and De'Aaron Fox all getting max extensions. And
0: that's big. That's big. And we talked about, I mean, Fox is going to be a guy now with Halliburton as his, maybe the yin to his yang. I mean that Kings team can make a Bagley game. possibly starts to live up to potential and Spidey getting his bag is something. Yeah, I that makes. Yeah, I mean, that's that
1: and Tatum. We kind of knew Tatum, was coming. Sense. but over Fox, the past I year. Mean,
0: that's the kings team. And hey, I know really I know Woj away. mentioned
1: it earlier is I we were kind of looking at it earlier the dicey situation in Miami with Bam Adebayo's contract because I certainly think he's worthy of a max extension at this point but they're it's looking like not going to give it to him. He's going to become a restricted free agent next summer which gives them the flexibility to possibly go out and sign Giannis or another large free agent. Cuz I mean, we we were talking about it. What's the worst thing that happens if you don't think you can get Giannis? I guess what you do is you whoever signs bam, you just match the offer sheet mm-hmm. and he comes back to Miami and maybe, maybe, you know, you're taking the risk that he doesn't come back if he likes the offer or if he likes the team better on the other end. And he's kind of pissed off at Miami for not re-signing him earlier, but Hey, I mean, it's, it's a risk they're willing to take, I guess for Giannis. And I think bam probably understands that at least a little bit, It, it still probably makes his blood boil a little bit, but you know, if you, if you get let go by a team and they sign Giannis instead, I don't even think he can be mad.
0: Yeah, you can't be. I mean, if, if you're Pat Riley, you're definitely holding out hope that you yeah. can go out and get Giannis on Tetsokounmpo. I mean, yeah, that, that's one of the best players in the league. Yeah. And if you are if you can make the bid, and especially him and Jimmy Butler, that'd be absolutely yeah. And we pretty. were
1: talking, too, about how that first-round pick they had was so big. They uh they drafted Precious. And Precious Achua, it, it, if they do lose Bam next year, he essentially takes his spot. And, you know, if Bam becomes a restricted free agent, they don't pick up a big name and then Bam leaves anyways and doesn't doesn't uh go back to the heat, even if they match the offer sheet. I mean, they've got Precious, who isn't proven at the NBA level at all, but he was good in college and he, he kind of projects the same way Bam does. I mean, it's not the end of the world and it's a risk. I, I think I understand why Pat Riley's doing it.
0: Yeah, I, it's I mean it's a win win. Yeah, I it mean, makes sense. It doesn't matter because if you don't sign Giannis, by the time Bam signs his contract sheet, you can just yeah. match it. It's, it's kind fine. of
1: a it's kind of a high ceiling, low floor kind of move to make where mm-hmm. it's it's a win huge if you sign Giannis. It's still a pretty big win if you re-sign Bam next year, and even if you don't re-sign Bam next year, that contract space, that cap space, goes elsewhere, and you've got precious to replace him for a lot cheaper.
0: Exactly. So it's smart basketball by Pat it, Riley It's it's and just Gain. the business, mm-hmm. and you know you got to look at it from a business side. It's yeah. that's just how it is sometimes. So yeah, you know I'm actually really pumped. You know NBA starts December 22nd. We're getting a month training Almost camp exactly. Going. But we we got we got college basketball. Man. Oh yeah, that's and my we, favorite sport. We got good college basketball too. We got ASU, the what is it, seventeenth ranked Arizona State Sun Devils with Something Josh like Christopher yeah. gets the number two Baylor Bears. Yeah, Wednesday live from great game the bubble in Connecticut. Who would have thought they'd be playing up in Connecticut? But here we are, oh, he and Mohe- Sun. Mohegan Sun Arena. classic. So that'll be interesting, man. I. I I'm pumped. I, am you know, the ASU team is going to be nice. Oh yeah. They, Remy Martin's a a stud. And that's why I said once Martin committed to another year and he backed out of the draft and he was like, you know what? I'm one more year. Let's go get it. That team's deadly, especially with Jacob. That team is not, not, not only do they have the star power, but they are loaded. They are deep. So, It'll be interesting to see them going up against number two Baylor. I mean, if they go out there, your first game's against the number two team in the nation. You beat them. I mean, yes, after that, who do they get? Houston Baptist, but still. <laughs> no, that's, that.
1: I yeah, completely. That's huge if they go out and win that first game against Baylor. Mm-hmm. Who, might I add, will not have their head coach, Scott Drew, tested positive for uh, for COVID. So he's at least not going to be on the sidelines. I'm sure he'll go through the game plan with them before. You know, they'll, they'll still be prepared, but... It's still a huge difference. It's a, it's kind of a culture shock to not have your head coach on the sideline. And I, I have to wonder if that's going to affect Baylor or if it's going to affect, you know, I, I don't know how soon Michigan state, uh, how soon Tom Izzo's quarantine is going to be over or Jim Beheim for Syracuse tested positive. You know, how soon are these guys going to be able to come back and are their teams going to suffer until then? Exactly.
0: So, I mean, we're seeing this bubble type atmosphere until conference play. So we'll see how it, it's just weird for me, but it well, is. We'll and see.
1: and how about for speaking of weird, how about Thanksgiving Day afternoon? you you're just putting the turkey in the roaster. You're watching the Texans and Lions on TV. And what else is on? You got the first top five college basketball matchup of the year, the Zags taking on the Jayhawks.
0: And you talked about it. If the Zags go out there and they win this game.
1: They've got they've got two really big games coming up this week. They've got uh they've got Kansas, and then also they have God, who's the other one? It's a uh, it's, uh, it's Auburn. They play them back-to-back days. And then the week after, December 5th, they play Baylor. So Gonzaga, I mean, we, we all know West Coast Conference isn't the biggest conference. It, they really kind of, their season, you know, it depends on the non-conference schedule they put out there. And if they go out there and beat Kansas, and they beat Auburn, and they beat Baylor, I mean they're really gonna run the table I would think the rest of the year I-, I think they're already the number one team in the country they win those games they are the consensus number one for the rest of the year
0: in the words of Khalid they'll be coasting
1: yeah you might as well you might as in well the just West slot Coast them, you might as well just slot them in as a one seed for the tournament yeah
0: I mean who's point. gonna beat them uh what we, we went through what Pacific Pacific um Pepperdine yeah. I mean, Santa L- Clara yeah oh man I'm scared for I mean Santa I Clara. mean realistically <laughs> the
1: only threat they have in conference play is Saint Mary's that's and th- that's saying something because St. Mary's isn't a, isn't a household basketball school. Mm-mm. You know, they've been a six seed in the past few years, I think was their highest tournament appearance, but I, yeah, I mean, we, we kind of, you know, I just touched on it. If they, if they're able to win these first few games, they are in a, a cruise control essentially for the rest of the year.
0: Yep, exactly. So it'll be interesting to see. we got college basketball, man. Yep. I mean, we're putting the infinity stones back together. We're going to get more... sports are back and we love to see it we don't love to see is uh robinson cano with the ped suspension. We're going to close out with just a touch of mlb and that was the really much we we said it's going to be a slow off season and the big news this week cano. Yeah,
1: kind of kind of takes away from any sort of hall of fame argument he would ever have cuz i know like it, at least you could have argued before this like if they start letting in bonds, clemens, sosa, if they start getting the votes then maybe Cano is the next one who falls in line of that list who, of guys who have gotten in trouble or have their name tarnished by PEDs. And I, I mean, now that he's had the second test and he's suspended the whole season, I think there's absolutely no way he makes the Hall of Fame at this point. And honestly, what's he thinking? He's like 37 right now. His career is on the on a downward spiral. He's you know not going to be great even if he does take PEDs. He's losing it athletically. Why not just go out peacefully? You've had a great career. You've only gotten trouble once. Maybe if these other guys start, you know, getting Hall of Fame votes, you'll fall in line. And I—he's completely eliminated that chance at this
0: point. And it's crazy they traded for Robinson Cano for yet again Jared Kalenic. Who watch yeah. out for him? Top prospect in Top a, prospect. Who's Seattle's farm yep. system. So it's, I—it's such a fine line. You know, we see it happen every. Also, Harry Styles reference. Let's go. Um, it, it is, it's such a fine line that you cross when you see all these PED suspensions and you know, you're trying to make sense of it you're like, man, this guy, I don't even think he could be possible of doing it. And then you see it and it's just, it's, it's disgusting. It, it's sad to see yep. your, your childhood heroes not be your childhood heroes. And it's, it. I feel and, so and bad.
1: Especially for a guy like that. He's not even in the prime of his career. Mm-mm. What are steroids going to do for you? Are you going to exactly. go from batting 220 to batting 240? It's like, i mean come on
0: and this mets team in i i hope this is the last of the negatives i i yeah. really love the it's, fact yeah that- it's
1: such a mets thing too that they were sort of on the up i i think this is where you're about to go with this that steve cohen takes over and it looks like the mets actually know what they're doing mm-hmm. and and you have this it's just a kick in the face for mets fans
0: so I hope this is the last of the laughing. You know, there's a thing on Twitter. It's every time anything bad happens to the Mets, it's just LOL Mets. So hopefully this is the last LOL Mets of yeah. the Steve Cohen. I don't know. Decade.
1: Yeah, I don't know how much more they can take. Yeah,
0: exactly. So I'm still going to focus on the positives for them. And I'm also going to focus on the positives, even though it's a negative. Um, minor League realignment. The Skeeters, yeah. Sugarland Skeeters are now the official AAA affiliate of your Houston Astros. The first first independent league Atlantic league team to become a triple a affiliate which is like just something crazy to think about you know the Skeeters they're relatively new and yep. you know I don't know if their ultimate goal was to be the a- affiliate of the Astros but I mean it's just going to be great for the city of yeah. Houston you don't have to travel that far you just got to go to Sugarland which for our one f- listener in Singapore that's about 20 miles away yeah and and, and, and it's such it. a it's such a kind of I almost would say expected
1: move for me, at least. I mean, we knew there was going to be a lot of reshaping of the minor leagues. And even this past season, we saw it with COVID that they needed those guys on the taxi squad basically to be close. So their alternate site was Sugarland and they had those guys right nearby. I mean, they were, they were having guys practice in Sugarland. So if they had positive tests, they could just go right down the road and replace them. And I think that's going to go a long way, especially in these next couple seasons, while COVID is still a thing or at least this next season I would assume even with a vaccine covid still plays a role in the season and and just having that proximity is something that I think may have even factored into their decision.
0: Yeah, exactly. So and you know you even see teams like the Nationals they they're now uh, affiliated with the Rochester Red Wings, but oh yeah. Uh even the, the Nationals this past year they were in Fresno. I mean, if you're in Fresno, that's that's across the country. <laughs> exactly. Literally. That can't work. So now I think it's, I mean, the Astros were even close with Round Rock, but for them to be as close as Sugar Land, yeah. where they're theoretically going to be living in the same city, um, it's going to be good for them. I just still, I hate this whole minor league yeah. realignment. I'm just, you know, hoping, like I, we've said, do your research on the minor leagues and how yeah. terrible people are treated. And you'll be sickened by the thought of how baseball works. And yeah. that's the theme, I guess, this week is it's and just hey, a
1: business. Speaking of the minor leagues, the Astros minor league specifically pour one out for super Jack, Jack Mayfield
0: Mayfield is now long gone, long gone, long gone, long gone, long gone, Jack Mayfield, Man, spring training hero Jack Mayfield is now an Atlanta Brave.
1: And uh, we lost Tantalou, didn't we? Yeah. too. Tantalou was the other spring training hero. I remember watching him each of the past like three or four spring trainings. And one and of the just guys, saying, hey, he's
0: the guy that I was like, why is he not up? getting
1: a shot? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I
0: remember thinking the same thing. I mean, the, the Astros thing. were calling up guys from A-Ball and Nick Tantalou's not even getting a yeah, chance. he was like the best player
1: in our spring training like every year. Like I always watch him like, what, why is he not on the roster? Like he's great.
0: Mm. And, you know, he's he's gone now. Long gone. So Poor, big ups to pour one out for Jack I'm, Mayfield, Nick Tantalou, all of the Astros triple A B squad from the 2017 year. Yeah. Let them let them live on forever. <laughs> Yeah, so on that somber note, you know, I'm actually pumped. You know, me and Owen in the same room, man. Oh yeah, it, it's great. It's awesome. It's Hot and it's going to be a good
1: week too. College basketball is back. We got the Texans on Thanksgiving. You know, and we got we got the Iron Bowl on Saturday. We're going to be looking forward to that next weekend. Notre Dame with their biggest test up until the ACC Championship. I mean, it's going to be a good week.
0: It's going to be a great week. So, we thank y'all. Of course, thank y'all so much for tuning in to Controlled Chaos. It really means a lot to us. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Controlled Chaos Pod, me on Twitter at Wooly Zach, and Owen at Owen Kisco with two eyes. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. Hope y'all have a wonderful Thanksgiving and keep that same energy. We'll see you later. Peace. Yep. Bye. I come through when I come through. Kick it like Kung Fu. Uh, I come through when I come through. keep. Hello, I can love you.